I'm all about having standards. Have standards for fitness. Have standards for, uh, you know, like have them do something job related to come in, but do what you used to. Send them to paramedic school. Send them to fire academy. Do those things. It's a blue collar job. Like we got to get off this pedestal of we're so great that we only take certain people. Um, if they can make it, they can make it. If they can't, they can't. You move on to a new candidate. But like, let's get back to brass tacks here and start getting blue collar people back in the job. Excellence is a rarity, but you are not alone. Talk and shop with Outlier Firefighters. Welcome. Another episode, Talk and Shop, Outlier Firefighters, episode 14. I'm here with a longtime friend, uh, Nick Elkin, close to 20 years. Yeah, I'm sorry, Nick, we're, we're that old now. And uh, <laughs> uh, we're going to talk about a whole bunch of fire stuff. Um First off, Nick, thanks for coming on. Thanks for coming here tonight and, and talking with everyone. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Um, we're going to just kind of roll into stuff. As always, uh, it's interactive. If you want to ask questions, throw them in here. Uh, make them hard. Make them fun. Make them weird. Whatever. Well, maybe not too weird. but um, no, Not too weird. Not, not too weird. Uh, we'll, get, <laughs> we'll get things going here. So, Nick, uh, what was your first exposure to the fire service? Oh, my first exposure to the fire service was uh, accidental. Um, <clears throat> it was through the tech campus at uh, College of Lake County. Uh, I had a buddy who essentially told me, hey, you should come take this class with me. Even if you hate it, it'll be really fun. So like, you get to break stuff. You get to do all this cool stuff. So even if it's something you don't want to do, it's a nice way to spend half your day in school. I was like, well, <laughs> You know, I hated school, so I thought that sounded like uh, the greatest idea in the world. I can spend half of my day breaking stuff. I'm in. So that was my first exposure to the fire service, to which led me to my an internship as one of the top two people in the class, which is what gave me my first start in the fire service. Cool. And for those of people that don't really know what Tech Campus is, can you kind of explain that? Yeah, it was like uh, – so the Tech Campus has a whole bunch of trades that high school students are able to – um, leave for the day and go learn a trade, whether it's automotive, carpentry, um, EMS. They had a whole bunch of stuff, and one of them was firefighting. So basically I got to leave half the day in high school, go learn. It was essentially like a mini academy, just not as stringent. So you got to go through all the basics of firefighting. Um, and then at the end of the – near the midpoint of the year, depending if you were selected or not, you got an internship. So then instead of even going to the school, I got to spend half of my school day at a firehouse. Yeah, and uh, how old were you? Uh, I don't know how old were we. Seventeen years old, probably. I think I was seventeen. Seventeen, yeah. I think it was seventeen because then uh, that internship led into my first job at that same place, and I wasn't. They asked me to apply, even though I wasn't able to actually take the test for another year. So I was seventeen. And and the place you interned is that it's. It's Antioch, right? That's where we were. I did. Yeah, okay, I, yeah, I interned at Antioch. Yeah, yeah, I'm sorry. Um, which is one of my first apartment. Which mine too. So Nick got a head start on me because Nick started, you know, at that age. I started at 19. Well, I think. He ended up way ahead of me because I was lazier. What do you mean I wasn't ahead of you? What are you talking about? <laughs> you, you, you ended up way ahead of me because I was lazy. You got a job before I did or a full-time job. That's so I don't, I don't know about that. I'm also maybe a little <laughs> bit dumber than you. So. We'll see. Uh, uh, <laughs> well, you're certainly bigger than me, right? Uh, uh, Cook here is yeah, saying, why is Nick so exactly. huge, Royds? And, uh, well, maybe. I don't know. Yeah. 
Steel, baby. They How come I can't see the chat? What the hell is uh, this? You're going to have to, you'd have to log into the Facebook page, which you, I mean, I guess this you have is... one if you wanted to, but you can see it. I'll, I'll spot off for it. Okay, uh, no, no, it's okay. It's fine. Lead was, Arts was... here. He's saying he saw you last night and uh, that he you guys were talking about night. being old as well. So that's, that's really yeah. cool. Uh-huh. And uh, Vanderberg's here too. So as always. Yeah, you know those those wake ups and uh, cricks in the the knees and the back they they just came out of nowhere. I feel like man, somebody told me when you turn thirty, like you wake up and your back hurts. And, and Dude, it, literally everything went downhill when I hit thirty, man. Like all of a sudden everything starts to hurt. Today I scheduled four different doctor's appointments, and I was like, "What am I, seventy five freaking years old? Like, how did this happen? Where did I get here, man?" Uh, hey, you know, hold on, we're totally sidetracking from firefighting, but we're going to talk relationship life-wise was it your wife yeah. that convinced you to do all those or was it under oh, your yeah. own accord right so 100 percent. she runs my life like i literally don't know anything that's happening except for this calendar that i'm told to follow and i get told on a regular basis you asked me what's happening on saturday four times already so yeah you know, that's uh, man hey i'm right there with you i found out like i have horrible blockage in my nose and i haven't been able to breathe out of my nose and like 15 years or more than that emily my wife she goes yeah go to the doctor and finally go get it checked out and i go and he's like oh yeah it's horrible like your left nostril is like 90 percent block i'm like really and i come back home and all she does is look at me and go told you huh yeah i told you what happened mm-hmm. i was like you were right yep. Mm-hmm. yep that's pretty much my response all the time yeah but yep. I will say this, firemen or firefighters in general, we are great at managing and spinning 15 plates. And then when we come home, we're like, uh, and without someone strong with you that can help keep all the, keep you in check and keep you in line, man, we fall apart real quick. It's it's really true. It is really true. You can go, you do so much when you're on the job, no matter what it is. And then you're right. You come home and I'm like, it's like chaos. Like she literally keeps me organized all the time like if it weren't for i would i would have lost my head years ago to be honest with you yeah you got to have that support network and we'll talk about more of that later because i know that was kind of a conversation that we were going to get into later but yeah uh, we'll we'll jump in here so you you go through uh you internship on antioch which then that turns into uh employment right in 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 some regard and then you know (laughs) yeah yeah so so it was actually a really funny interaction um and I can't for the life of me if if Lean, Chris Leonard's in the chat, maybe he can he can tell you who it was. One of the chiefs at the time, I had to interview for my internship. So, so I got the internship through the the school, but I they had to essentially do an interview. That chief then asked me in my interview, "Hey, do you uh you like want to work here?" I was like, "Uh, okay." Sure. Well, that's and that started the whole process of like fill out the application, wait till I'm old enough, do the that back then it was I don't know if it was the same when you did it, but we had a, an actual physical agility combat challenge. Oh yeah, I crushed um, it and a written test. <laughs> I, I crushed it. Uh, I was it was actually that day. You'll it was the day after. How do you not remember this? This was after our senior prom. I would hundred percent remember. <laughs> on your basement couch and you you guys were all I had to get up in the morning to go to this and you guys were so loud. I took two five hour energies actually of cooks in the chat. I remember the first thing out of his mouth was asking if any of us took any energy drinks before we started this. And I was again, I'm an 18 year old kid, so I'm freaking out because I took two five hour energies and drank a Red Bull because I was so tired from our prom the night before. So I'm like, oh, man, am I going to get kicked out for taking energy drinks? Because this is the first question this guy asked me. Yeah. 
Uh, I do remember that. We really, and we were mean. I mean, we were teenagers. We were teenagers. Of course we were going to beat the crap out of you. You guys were screwing with me the whole time. My experience for that was way better. I showed up, and I was fit as a fiddle and went right to work. Uh, Leanheart was saying you might have talked to uh, uh, Vandervordy or Voodoo, right? Yep, that is what his nickname was. It was Voodoo, yep. And I never met him, but yeah. Uh, and and yeah, Vandenberg, exactly Nick will not be playing his rendition of Careless Whisper on a Halligan because that was me. And uh, <laughs> we can find that video, I'm sure. I have that video if somewhere, you, actually. For the love of God, send me that video because <laughs> I forgot about that. Uh, nope, I've got it somewhere. All right, so we crushed you and you got up heavily tired and beat up and Very caffeinated. Yep. Got on yep. Antioch. And then what yep. was your progression through how long were you there? Uh, what was Antioch in terms of, I mean, I know, but tell other people, staffing and how, you know, what it was. Well, back when, when I started, it was still one station paid on premise. Um, so the outliers only came in for callbacks. Um, if I remember correctly, it was only three or four i honestly can't remember the exact staffing number um but it was only a it was a day crew and a night crew um i I remember feeling wholly unprepared to get on the rig when i was done with the academy like i felt like i maybe it was just being a kid and i didn't take the initiative enough as a young kid to know what i was supposed to be doing when i got out of the academy i thought the academy was going to teach me to run calls and i remember those first few calls i was like was I supposed, am I supposed to get like, what am I supposed to take here? Like, what am I supposed to do? So I felt wholly unprepared. And because the department was the way it was, you didn't really have, you had certain guys who would take the new kids and, uh, you know, teach them some stuff. But then you had the other, the other guys who were like, up oh, another new kid. And they kind of just pushed you in a corner. So like, it was a, it was a weird atmosphere back then to where it almost felt uncomfortable to ask questions. So I felt like I was behind for a little while, mostly because I was, I felt an inability to ask certain questions, if that makes sense. Um, But as the department grew, you started, some of the old timers started moving on. You started gaining, we started gaining more career guys coming in part-time that really cared about teaching guys. We also had, we also had, you know, guys like Vandenberg and, and Lena, there were, there were other guys that did, but you know that you remember they weren't around all the time and you had the, the salty people who were there for, you know, the part of the good old boys club who could, could have cared less about any of us, you know? So it was, uh, the beginning was weird, if you will. It was just different. It was different. Um, but the place progressed, started growing. They started opening stations, um, adding more Manning. And then fast forward, I don't remember what year it was, 2015, 2014, when they did the Metro contract, 13. Mm -hmm. So 2013, I was one of the first people on the contract and, you know, I was a kid. I thought, I had in my head that ANIAC was a place it was growing. Like it's going to be, this is going to be my career. Like I'm going to work here forever. And, you know, you kept hearing the rumors. They're going to, we're going to do it. We're going to go career. We're going to go career. We're going to start contract. We're going to go. So you stay and stay and stay. And I think I stayed there until end of 2018 um, contract. I think 2018, I left in 2019, maybe. Oh, uh, you were before me because I left in 18. Or maybe it was early 18. Cause I no, I think you, you left right before me. No, you left before me. I did? Oh. Right before me. We left right about the same time, but I left right after you. Um, 
but yeah, so and obviously, as much as I I loved it there because what we started making it into was great. It, it was literally, and I think Colfer alluded to it in his interview with you about where all of our people have gone. Um, I would say that period from twenty, even right before the contract, I'd say twenty eleven to. 2017 2018 2018 was starting to get a little rough but to 2017 it was some of the best group of guys i've ever worked with in a fire service like everybody it didn't matter what you thought of any leadership around you the guys were always getting together to learn the guys were always making each other better everybody was going out of their way to help each other and it was a fantastic um just it was good culture and just the amount of learning that happened in those few years was incredible. I think for everybody. Yeah. To this day, that is still the the best fire service <clears throat> culture that I have been a part of as a fireman. Obviously, I grew up, you know, around a great culture, but like uh, as a fireman to be part of that, it was it was something. That, there was no competitiveness, right? It was. No. We were all on the same team competing to be that much better. It wasn't like it, you know. Oh, Nick's better than me, so I'm gonna talk crap about him behind his back. Like oh. there was none of that. It was. It was pure, just the whole team working together and uplifting. And yeah, I mean, that chunk of people, we all just and spread all over. I mean, and, and uh, yeah, I, like I, I echo exactly what you said. It was it was an amazing thing to be a part of. And, and in a lot of ways, I'm still chasing that. And I don't know if you are, too, but um, it's yeah, it was an awesome time. It was an awesome time. And like like you said, the fact of, of where everyone has gone since then, like everyone's gone on to having a successful career so far. Um, but that's a moment in time that and, you know, me and my wife actually talk about this all the time. You know, every section of your life is just a moment in time, like whether it's school, friends, career, blah, blah. But you need to share it like you don't look back on it as a, any negative or positive. It's just a moment in time. And you have to cherish those moments. And like that is one of those moments that was you know, unforgettable in the fire service for me. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so you, uh, you, you work contract, you get through there, then you move on to the next thing. Now you're at your current department that you're at now. And, yep. uh, how long have you been there? I'm about to finish four years, starting year five over there. Okay. Yeah. So we're, we're the same. And that yep. department, uh, is, uh, where do you work? I work in Berwyn, Illinois. <clears throat> so it's right on the, Right next to Cicero, west side of Chicago. Sorry. I had my first uh, spam in the chat. I've never had that happen before. It's the ban. Okay. Uh, and so, Berwyn, uh, what's what's Berwyn like? Uh, it's an interesting little town. It almost doesn't make sense. Actually, when I explain it to most people, it's they don't get it. Um so it's it's a small it's a small densely populated city. We're about three and a half square miles. Um, so it's a small city. We run we have three houses. I think our roster is about mid eighties, but run about nine thousand calls in this tiny little three square mile radius. Uh, it's the one of the most densely populated cities in uh, the state. Um, it's crazy. It's crazy. It's fun. It's fast paced. Uh, we're very it was a culture shock, I'll say, to me, going from from where we came from to a, a more a more city type department. Um, very one of the things I love is it's very rich in old school fire service traditions, if you will. Um, we are very seniority based. Seniority is 
king around there. Um, if, if you're the new guy, you're the new guy. There's no, um, and, and I, I, again, everywhere is kind of getting more lax and I see it too now, even in the last four years, but it's still, it's still old school fire service to me, which I love. I love that it is old. School. I love that they maintain seniority as a priority. I love that, um, that they tradition matters to them, whether it's their tradition, like fire service tradition or Berwyn tradition, tradition matters to them. And I think that's important. So, uh, before that, uh, how did you learn about, fire service culture or, or the values did that come because obviously it sounds like you knew what those were supposed to be so when you landed in Berwyn you connected to it immediately where did you learn those values yeah so I mean obviously uh, it's kind of it's it's funny to say obviously we learned some of it from your dad like he talked to us a little bit about it. I mean, it's not like, and you you mentioned it before, it's not like it was a big topic, topic conversation in your house all the time but like when we were around it, it was definitely presented to us. I also think we learned a lot of it on our own. Um, just us, again, being in the situation we were in, in a really young organization um, and listening to guys who had also been in the fire service for 20, 30 years, they told you what it was supposed to be like, and it just made sense. So I feel like we chased a culture like that. Um, so, and then you start reading books too. You start reading books, you start going to classes, you start listening to what, what sounds like it should be right. Like, even if you didn't know for sure, but you're like, yeah, that sounds, that sounds like what leadership is supposed to be. That sounds like what culture is supposed to be. That sounds like what a firehouse is supposed to be like. So um, I don't know if there's one pinpointed moment of what I thought the values would be. I think I learned them along the way. Um, and just, you know, you just know there's a feeling about it of what feels like it should be right. And that's just, I don't know. No, I, I agree with you. I think you, you're either in the club or you're not, and uh, it either connects with you and it resonates or, or it doesn't. And yeah. I, I know that that's probably a struggle for a lot of firefighters is because they, they know in their core what we're supposed to be, or they were taught it, right? They were fortunate enough to receive some education on what that's supposed to be like, and when things aren't that way, I know a lot of people find it difficult staying connected when, when they don't feel like traditional values, traditional fire service uh, – they exist for a reason and sure right uh, it's important to keep those things alive uh, otherwise we become any other job um who then i and uh, who influenced you the most uh, early in your career we're talking first first couple years and you could include tech campus in that too right um who influenced me the most um well, I guess if it, an original influence would have been someone that your dad is actually really good friends with, and that would have been Barry Henby. Uh, he was one of my instructors at the Tech Campus. Um, I looked up to him a lot, learned, you know, going through that class. I didn't know him outside of that, but just being in there, he was always a good resource. And then obviously come to find out later, him and, him and your dad worked together and delivered a baby together, which was really, you know, kind of cool, kind of came full circle. Um, but there was a whole bunch of them along the way. But I guess one that really stands out to me is uh, he's a he's a Prospect Heights guy, uh, Andy Plonsky. I'm sure you remember Andy. He he was one of my my favorite people. He's one. He still is one of my favorite people in the fire service today. It didn't matter day, night, how many calls you ran, what was going on. If you had a question, if you wanted to learn something, 
that guy was the first guy on the floor with you. He never talked down to you. He never treated you like an asshole. If you had a question and wanted to learn, he wanted to teach you. He is far and away one of my favorite human beings in the fire service. And, dude, he had a balance of just total positivity all the time, right? But then he also – it wasn't like toxic positivity where like – No. Like like nothing – you know, something was wrong. He would take care of the problem, right? It wasn't – he wouldn't pretend that nothing was wrong. Like he would go fix things. I, I and but he would do it in this way with grace and a smile. And yeah, I'm with you, dude. Plonsky was something else all yep. day. Um, By far one of my favorites. Yeah. So now you're you're into your job. You're getting in, uh, moving through, and uh, you're where you're at. Things are clicking, right? And um, oh, so, <laughs> Leanheart says, check the bulb lights. <laughs> <laughs> not the bulb lights. Oh, not Anything the bulb lights. Uh, we're going to kind of get into your topics now, right? So uh, you're sure. up, you're upstanding and you're and you're running where you're at and uh, finding some success. So the first topic we got here is starting at 18. Uh, we kind of talked about this a little bit. Uh, did the fire service help you grow into the adult you are today? How much of that influenced oh. you know you as as a man now, right? Because you started yeah, at yeah. a very young age. Yeah, For yeah, sure. yeah. Um, yeah, it's. Um, I basically like. It's almost like growing up in this. I mean, eighteen, you think you're an adult, and you're not. You're still. You're. You're a kid. You're an absolute kid. Uh, so it's. It's. I feel like it's actually shaped ninety percent of my adulthood just because I've been in it so long, and. Yeah, it was. It's obviously a struggle starting that young because everyone around you feel like is older, and then you have like me. I had what I thought were easy goals that turned out to be much loftier because, you know, you're a 10, you're, you're an 18 year old kid. You're, you can't, I didn't stay focused on certain things. Like I had a goal 21 years old. I want to be a firefighter paramedic and I want to be hired career 21 years old. That was my, that was my plan coming out of tech campus. But then, you know, again, 18 year old kid, you're not, uh, you don't stay focused or, you know, one point I had to take a, a job that I didn't want to pay to go to paramedic school. So trying to work that job and trying to, you know, stay locked into the fire service and try to save the money that I needed to save to go to paramedic school. Um, you know, it just my, my path at the beginning did not go the way I personally expected it to, um, you know, but at this point in my life, I feel like everything along that road was supposed to happen that way. Um, you know, you know, that, you know, it taught you, it taught me something like, you know, when I, whether I had to do clinicals overnight because I had to work the next day or, um, you know, I'd take that extra shift to pay for paramedic school, whatever, whatever the case may be. It just, it just, it, it showed me that like, Hey, as long as you, as long as you stick to a goal you have and you work your ass off, you'll make it to where you need to go. Does it mean you'll be on the time frame you originally wanted? No, but you will get there. So growing up being yeah, being an eighteen year old kid was rough. I did just did not go the way I thought it would, but I still ended up at the same point. Hey, yeah, I mean that's it's not uh, you can't plan everything, right? No, no. Nope. So that's how it, I think that's how it goes for a lot of people, right? But but to have goals, right? You have to have goals, hundred percent, and you have to be willing to adjust those goals, right? Yep. Um, so Cook's got a question here. He says, when you were 18, you embraced the culture and traditions of the firehouse. Do you see uh, today's 18-year-olds wanting to do it different than you did? Do I see them wanting to do it different? Yeah. 
Uh, and he can clarify I mean, if, if you need more. But if if you're saying want they they want to do it different, um, I, I don't think that that's how. If, if you're saying they want to do it different, as in they want a different culture, is that the question? Because if that's the question, then that's not really. Um, I looked at it this way. When I came in, I wanted to, I wanted to fit into the culture. I didn't want the culture to fit to me. Yeah. Um, I wanted to learn what what the firehouse needed. What did what did they need? Like what what am I bringing to add to the culture? I didn't want to flip it on its head because I don't like what the culture is. If that makes sense. If that's kind of the question you're asking. Uh, uh, Chief, if you want to just say if that answered your question or not in the chat, just let us know. Or if you want to clarify further, but we can we can come back to it too. But yeah, I, totally. Uh, and I know that there's always going to be a generational question, right? There's, there's always going to be sure. this conversation around these young guys or, or this generation sure. can't do this, this, and this, and, and this generation's, you know, whatever. Um, I, I, I'll say the, the, more we, the more we deviate from what and every place, and this is the thing, you know it, your job, my job, our old jobs, everywhere has its own, the fire service itself has its culture, but then every organization has its culture. And I'll say from when we started, even at our, at Antioch, like the, there was certain expectations that were placed on us, right? And we met those expectations and those expectations, um, they set a precedent for your service there. And, and stuff as, as, as meaningless to some people as, showing up for the 4th of July or showing up for a pancake breakfast or showing up for these events, showing up for the Wednesday night trainings. Like back then that was, that was, that was not just a, Hey, this is what we do. Maybe you'll show up. It was expected of you. It was expected that you showed up for those things. And what did those things do? What did those things do? They, they, they introduced you to the other guys. They showed that you were willing to put in the extra effort that was needed, whether it was, whether, whether someone else thinks it's important or not, it did build something for you. And I personally noticed that the the less we the more we got away from holding standards that didn't just require that didn't just more than just showing up to work the more we got away from that the less people were invested in the actual organization the actual department like cool you show up it's your job that's what you're here for but when we're all when we were all coming together for events or for drills or whatever it made us closer, and it made everything else work better. That's just my opinion. Yeah, uh, uh, Cook's saying he's just trying to understand the difference between when we were kids versus today's young firefighters. And to be honest with you, I, I don't really have an answer standards. for that. I mean, standards that we held were held to. That's 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 the answer. That's it, right? Uh, there's people out there know. that are 18 years old that think like we thought. I mean, it, they exist. It's for not sure like they, they don't. Yeah. Uh, there's guys yeah, in are. their 20s that we're hiring that that think like that. They exist yep. out there. You might have to dig through a pile a little bit more. They're not. Sure. They're not as, you know, forward out there. But I think that that's that's sure. a cultural thing. Um, in, in general, we're we're a blue collar job, right? We're a trade, if you will, and all of those jobs are hurting for people that want to do them, right? And well, and you're you're also at you know I know this kind of this is something you're going to ask at the end, and this kind of ties in a little bit to it. you asked your question about the. Um, state of the fire service that's part of the problem with the culture right is that when when we had an abundance of people it was like hey our culture is what it is like you either like it or you don't and then we you know next man up now people can't fill those spots we can't fill those jobs so now now the, instead of instead of people follow you know f falling into the culture and learning the culture and embracing it it's well i don't really like that part of the culture so i'll just go somewhere else I'll just go somewhere else. So what's happening is we are we are giving up on our own 
culture to conform to certain people. And I, I don't necessarily think that I'm okay with change. Like I'm all for change. I don't like losing our identity to just for some retention, because I think you, you mentioned it in one of your other episodes that the people we are getting now, they all want to be in the fire service for the most part, you know, you'll get a, a, a hand, you know, one or two here and there who just not cut from the cloth or, or just don't fit your current culture or whatever. But it is very easy right now for them to say, I don't like the culture here. I'm just going somewhere else. Whereas before you couldn't do that. I think they have an understanding. So there's like, two, if, if you get a chance to hear anything about from Scott Thompson uh, from the colony, he's like the culture king, if you will, for the fire service. And he's got so much insight on it. And he talks about like micro cultures and macro cultures. And I think like the fire service in general, what we connect to you and I, and a lot of other people understand uh, is the macro culture. It's, it's the true hook and ladders. It's the bucket brigades. It's the service. It's sacrifice. It's, it's those things, right? It's, it's what's been put out for hundreds of years and why we are as trusted as we are and who we are today, why our sure. trucks are red, you know, why all these things that go back into the 18, 1700s or whatever, how far back you want to go. Um, but the, the, the microcultures, right, the subcultures now of individual departments, those are okay to adjust over time as long as you're still staying true to that macroculture, sure. in my 100%. opinion, right? And so – I think um, if you as an organization and, and chief, I, th- I hope we're kind of giving you some insight, at least in what we're thinking about here. If you could still stay connected to what that is, I think that the romance of firefighting, if you will, attracts people and attracts the right people. And if you could be connected to that and you get them in and they see that that's what it's supposed to be, then you can capture them and, and support them. And obviously your organization is different because, you know, they get to a point where, you know, they probably leave and it is what it is. I mean, that's, that's how your organization has to be. But um, I think that's the biggest thing is staying connected to that macro culture over time. And I'm sorry, Nick, I don't want to steal your show time, but <laughs> no, you're not, you're not, you're believing. Hey, we're all in this together, man. Yeah. It's that I agree hundred percent with that. And then there's something too that, that, it's one of the reasons I stayed where I am now. You know, after, I got a bunch of offers after I, I got where I was at. And it's something that ANAC used to have too. And it's it's not even, it's almost not, um, it's not firefighting itself related, but it's usually, I used to remember, I remember going into the fire service getting told, it's your second family. It's your second family. It's your second family. Well, I don't feel like, especially in like my last year at ANAC or, um, even talking to guys at other places, I don't feel like that part has been lost in the job. It really has been lost. And what I love about where I'm at now is we do events together all the time. Even if we just plan outings for the guys just to hang out, just because we still make it a priority to get together because it's important. It's important to stay together. Like we, we eat every meal we eat together. Nobody brings their own food. We cook every meal together and we sit together and we talk. So those things are so lost in the fire service nowadays. Um, just spending time together, guys going out together, guys setting up outings together, even even pub at events, off duty, guys going together, stuff like that. That is the fire service. It's supposed to be a blood. It's not supposed to be, hey, my my coworker. Oh, I see you every third day. Like that brings you together. That brings a department together. I actually, Chief, I remember you talking a story recently about how. Someone needed when you started on Anik. Someone needed their deck fixed. All the guys from the firehouse would show up, right? 
those are the those are those are your family. When we started losing the family values and it just became it just became a job, that's where we started losing culture. So it sounds like your department has that. So what, what would you we do. what would you could what would you say uh, is the, the the contributing factor to that you, um, leadership leadership leadership? Yeah, yeah. It's our it's 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 all of our like we're a unique situation, and I'm lucky that we have this. But from our chief, all of our chief officers, management. They were all part of the rank and file at some point. Um, everybody has a vested interest in seeing our place be successful. And our chiefs make it a, like, I'm still backwards because we called them deputies forever because our battalions were called deputy chiefs until literally the beginning of the year. It was a, a contract thing because they thought, uh, you know, if they were deputies on scene that nobody could outrank them. That's that's the place I come from. It's crazy. Um but yeah, they make it a priority. That is, the, and they let it be known. They let it be, and we don't even talk about fire service stuff when we sit at the table. They ask about your family, how are your kids. Like that's what we do. Like we call it family time. That's our family time when we sit down at that table. And they make it, and even not the guys hold it accountable. We have weird traditions. Like if we have a fire, the battalion buys the whole ship White Castle. That's it happens every time. And you know, there's been times. You know, there's times where it's three in the morning and. You know, he's like, uh, do you guys want to do it next shift? And the guys would be like, absolutely not. Even if no one eats it, you're buying White Castle and every house is getting it. Why? Because it's a tradition and it's not dying with you. That's just what we do. We're doing it. Even if nobody eats it, we're buying it. It's tradition. That's what we're doing. So so it's not just them. The leadership's done it forever, but then the guys get in on it too. The guys are like, uh-uh, this is what we do. We don't, we don't do that. So. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like all those things develop like a sense of belonging, right? For sure. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that's one of the, the first, I mean, first steps to having a positive culture is, is making people feel like they belong for sure. For sure. Uh, so you guys are tight, obviously, right? That's great. Uh, but you're, you're also, you seem like you're tight with the community. So uh, let's talk about the importance of getting involved with the community. <laughs> Uh, this is one of my favorite my favorite topics. Um, yeah, I mean, everyone that's in the chat, that's in the fire service. I know you all, I, me included, all of us. We don't like we don't like block parties. We don't like, you know, we don't like the public roaming around the firehouse when it's off time, whatever. But um, I didn't I didn't realize how important it was. I obviously come from a very my department's very political. We're very involved. We're very involved in local politics. We're very involved in just the people in general. Um, and we don't, let's just put it this way. We don't have the fights that a lot of places have because we're involved with our community. We love our community and they love us. They see us out. We talk to them. We tell them what's going on. Like there's never a real question about what the fire department is doing because, because they know we have us, we, we, you know, we're very involved on social media. If anyone wants a rig at a, a block party or an event, we're there. Um, you know, we're we're also doing. There's a brewery in town that we made our, our local made a beer collaboration with them that we sell and we donate money to. We donate money to Burn Camp and charity. Um, so so we're just super involved with the community in general. Like whether it's as the fire department or as local five hundred six, like we're very involved in the community. So the people see us, they see us out of uniform. And because of that, 
because they know what is going on. And we're plugged in with them and they're plugged in with us. Uh, we don't we just don't have the fights that it seems other departments have. We you know, other departments want to hide. And, you know, if we're not seen and heard and everyone will leave us alone. But that's not true. Preach on that. <laughs> yeah. Um, so you mentioned uh, local politics. And uh, I know, I mean, you're a union shop, so you guys have, you know, a local that, that can, you know, have some bargaining, you know, um, um, I can't think of powers, probably hard, sounds like too strong a word. But, yeah, I mean, that's what it is, <laughs> right? Um, yeah. So um, a lot of locals do not get involved with local politics, right? And, nope. And, uh, mistake. I, I would love to hear your perspective on that because uh, it, you guys are kind of, I wouldn't say an anomaly. Well, you're kind of an anomaly. I, yeah, I think it's fair we to are. say. Yeah. Yep. You know, downstate they call us the big little local because we um, – and well, I should I should get my union president on with you. He's he's a riot. You'd have a real good time with him on here. Um, but they, they said at the last one, we donate more in PAC money as our little local than uh, four different states combined. Um, so like we all don't ever we have 100 percent compliance on donations to PAC. Um, and we don't we if you don't think local politics, like I don't care Republican, Democrat, any of that crap. Um, local politics you vote for your paycheck. Like that's what we do. We vote for our benefits. We vote for people who are going to take care of the fire department. Um, so that's what that's you know that's what we do. We go out if they, they if the if those guys need our help, our guys come in off duty. We'll we'll walk. We'll drop pamphlets. We'll talk to people. We'll talk to the community. We'll like. But we vet candidates just like. And it sounds weird. And I know people are going to be like, "That's ridiculous. That's outside of uh, you know what we should do as firefighters." But um, you know, we never have we never have people marching saying that we need to close the firehouse down. So um, if you don't think getting involved in politics is important, pay attention to what's going on around you. So is that uh, your your local board or do you guys have like a committee? How, do, how does that work in terms of like the true like political involvement? Right. Say that again. I'm sorry. So, uh, you know, structure wise for your 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 local, do you guys have a sub like a committee that runs that? Is it your board that runs that? So we do. We do. We have a, our, our local has a um, a political committee and then, you know, they but our, our local also reaches out to anyone who's running for anything. If if people are running for school board, if people are running for um, aldermen, if it doesn't matter whatever they're running for, we reach out. We reach out and talk to them like we will talk to anybody even if you're opposed to us we want to find out why you're opposed to us why are you opposed to the fire department why are you opposed to paramedics why are you opposed to having the best service you could possibly have so our guys will go out and talk to everybody anybody and everybody and then when we decide who we are going to support as uh, a local we will then do like i said we'll go out and hand out literature for them we'll go do pamphlet drops and then and it turns into a nice event for even even the guys like so we'll get off shift go do a bunch of pamphlet drops and then we meet up and hang out, you know, we'll grab, we'll grab breakfast together and, and, and hang out together. Um, it doesn't, it's not a, people think it's some big in depth thing. No, no, it takes us an hour in the morning, you know, and it's, it's been successful for us so far. Do you, do you have like a face if you will? So like, let like a person within your yeah, our president, our union presidents are, is our, is our face. He's uh, he's also, He's also heavily involved in the, or he's getting more involved in the AFFI at this point. But um, he's definitely the face and the mouth. You'll know he, his nickname's Loud. So um, if that tells you anything about him, he's uh, 
I mean, he's always talking. You got to have the right people to do those things, yep. right? And support them. Hundred percent. Not I just think it's very important, and I don't that. think. Say that again. Yeah, it, I just don't think a lot enough people pay attention to it until it's too late. Um, I remember talking to a friend in Glenview. It was maybe two years ago at this point, and they were talking about how they had the citizens trying to come after a firehouse, close the firehouse down. And I asked them, do you guys, do you guys have a pack fund? Do you guys, are you guys involved? What's going on? And they're like, well, and they, they just started it because of the people trying to shut down a firehouse. Why do we need you here? Why? So you're so far behind the eight ball at that point. And now you're trying to, you're trying to justify a house, the rigs, the staffing, and you have no ability to, to fight that. You just have to sit there and say, please don't do this. Like, We'd rather be out ahead of it saying, hey, these are statistics. This is what we do. This is the call volume we run. This is why we need these things. Give them the information. Give them all the information you possibly can. Be out there. Expose it all so so they have no reason to ever come to you and say, why do we need this? Uh, you guys, you're, you're a village, right? You're a municipality. You're not a fire district, right? No, we're not. Yeah. Cool. I, I I really I think that's such an interesting topic and not a lot of people talk about it. And and obviously there's places that don't have unions and, and can still kind of sure. figure out other ways to do that. But at sure. least here in Illinois, like you do have uh, options there. And and yeah. it's something that my my union doesn't really seem like they get, a, you know, forward and out there with. So that's why I say you're you guys sound like you're an anomaly and you're almost right in the book on how to. They are. have that good relationship, yeah. but still, you know, they are for you're, sure. You're, you're not picking who you who's going to get in, but you're you're heavily influencing it, which is you do. You 100 yeah. percent. And like, they, you know, there, there was someone even in our last one, they had uh, they tried to write a thing about our local saying that um, we were oh, like it, like it was some sort of smear that we donated the most amount of money to one of the mayoral candidates. And we're like, yeah, of course we did. Why wouldn't we? Why would we not? Why would we not support the candidate we think is best? Like that's that's not a smear against. Like you yeah, think he that's likes a us. smear? No. <laughs> yeah, we. Yeah, you know, we're going to support. We're going to support who supports the fire department. Plain and simple. Um, so it, it is important. It is like I said. If you if if I can get Mike to talk to you and get him to come on here, you'd love him. You would have a great time. He'll talk your off about politics. He will really. He'll, Anyone and everyone who, who who wants to learn about it, he's the guy. I know that that's not me, and that's okay. But to at least have some education in it, to be able to maybe, sure, you know, help other people. I know that I'm well, not me. cut out for Believe that. Believe me, I'm not the guy either. Right? I'm not the guy either. I'm not the guy either. But I will say, I, as a as a guy that's a part of it and has seen it firsthand, I understand why it's important. And if if the guy at the top tells me, "Hey, you got to go walk the street for an hour," no problem, buddy. Yeah, hey, I got you. You got it. Not a problem. Uh, Josh V90 represent. I hope you got your your eight out of eight today. I don't think I'm going to, but <laughs> I think I'm seven for eight. But thanks for stepping in here and uh, and joining the show. Uh, little transition here. So uh, Nick, uh, let's let's talk health and longevity. So we were already joking about being old, right? But oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, as long as I've known you, I mean, you were you were an athlete. You were in sports pretty much your whole life. It seems like, and um, you know. Did that translate now for you to the fire service? What healthy habits have you picked up? What healthy habits have you lost that you're trying to regain? Uh, what are you doing, right, uh, in terms of your health and longevity that's, in the fire service? That's a good question. That's a really good question. Uh, you know, it's funny. 
something that resonates pretty well is when I was listening to Coke for his interview was talking about the CPAT and how we don't follow through. And, and we all know that there's a lot of um, slugs in the fire service. And listen, I, we've all had our ups and downs in the fire service. I've had times when I've been super lazy and not let, you know, let my fitness you know, trail away and then, you know, come back. And, um, but it, personally, the older I get, the more, and the more I got to run around with, kids at home and you know sports there plus the job it's like it's more important than ever i think to stay to stay in shape you know even when you were talking to corley it was a lot of the fitness stuff was talking about the job but for me i'm all about longevity in my life in general you know what i mean like you know me and my wife talked the other day we wrote goals down just for this year just on our health goals just purely health health and longevity goals so for me i do i i've been doing just do body weight exercises uh inclined treadmill um walking um just stuff that's going to be easy on the joints i want to have a long happy career i want to live a long happy life i don't need you know lifting heavy weights is not something that's necessary to me but i just i care about being a healthy and living a long long life and and people in the fire service vastly take their health for granted and you you know that you know that as well as i do there's no the, the lack of a fitness program lack of people giving a shit about their health is is so problematic the fact that that heart attacks are our number one cause of death is a problem well yeah it's a totally preventable problem 100 percent. and not everyone is going to be able to keep pace of a crossfit athlete and not everyone's no. going to be able i mean yeah there's and you don't have to standard right you should be we are I know the the phrase is tactical athlete. We are those, whether you believe it or not. That's what our job is. It's a highly physical sure. job, right? And and the conditions you're under are unlike anything else that you could experience, right? Um, but yeah, I, you need to to figure that out. And and I'm I'm on the journey myself, man. Like I, after my first son was born, I, I did what I could. Um, and now you know I got two and. You know, sometimes I find myself working out at eight o'clock at night or getting up. It's and, hard, man. And I'm leaving shift right at seven. I'm getting up at yeah. you know, five thirty, and I maybe run or something like that in the morning. Mm-hmm. Dude, I'm doing cardio. Do you remember? All right, like we're gonna step outside of the fire service, right? <laughs> Think about that for a friggin' minute. Nick and I were oh, bro yeah. lifting for how long? You want to talk about yeah, heavy yeah, weights yeah. and all that stuff? That was all I knew was eight or or, or three three sets, eight reps. That's all yep. I knew for so long. Yep. And yep. uh, I started running this year, and I would have never started doing that if I didn't really realize, like, I need to be more well-rounded. So yeah. uh, it's cool to hear that you're kind of on that same journey, right? You stepped out of what sure. your traditional weightlifting and, and, and mixing things up and, and finding another way. I mean, that's really cool. I think it's good for mental health, too, obviously. It just keeps your, keeps your brain clear. Like, I've got my routine now is I get up – I try to get up between 5 and 5.30 every day, and – you know, before my before my family gets up, before anyone's doing anything, and that's when I will. I'll like like I think I told you pre pre start. Like I I'll go either go walk eighteen holes at the golf course, at the crack of dawn, just to be out doing something physical, or go to the gym. But that's my time for you know mental clarity. Um, get my day started off with uh, some exercise, and you know it just really sets me up for the day. You know, my wife makes she knows immediately in the morning if I've if I've done those things because I'm crabby. Like I'm really crabby if my routine of getting out and exercising in the morning is not there. I uh, I was taking a class and a guy from uh, Lincolnshire and I can't remember his name. Uh, otherwise, I would say it. Uh, he brought up 
a really great point because I I was asking him it was after Jack was born and I was like I'm trying to figure this out man but I don't know what to he goes dude you got to find time that's your time when yep. nobody else needs you and that's when you 100%. do it right he's like yep. if you got to wake up extra early to go work out you got to do that if you got to stay up extra late to work out it is what it is you got to find time where no one needs you and that's your time to make it happen and I, I really I. I Maybe I can't remember who that was. Maybe I can get him on because he was a huge it, it's, fitness. That's guy. so true. Whoever whoever it is, he's so it's so true because you know you know as a, a father and a husband and uh, and wor- a working man like you know that ninety ninety nine percent of your days something needs your attention and that's not a bad thing. You know you know my wife needs help with something. My son needs help with something. I need to do something at work. There's something that always needs my attention. So being able to have those two hours that I get in the morning to keep my mental clarity is vital to my, just my, my general mental health, because like, I notice a difference. I notice a difference when I don't take that two hours for myself. I start getting frustrated or later in the day, you know, like, I'm like, everyone needs something for me and I never get nothing for myself. Like I just need a minute and it's not even that I need anything. I just need some silence. I need to unwind, you know, like it's, that's been the biggest change in my life is taking that uh two hours in the morning yeah it's that's huge i mean uh J- cook it is it is nunez it is alex nunez you're totally right uh yeah um i couldn't speak any highly or more highly of of what he was was saying when i was in that class i mean it just made sense and he's regimented beyond all belief right and and like all of us uh it, when he was telling his story he's balancing 15 things too and and we're all uh, we're all trying to spin 15 plates and keep them all up. And you got to figure out a way uh, uh, to still kind of make some time for yourself. And for me, my struggle, as you know, and you were one at one point, you know, a bit of a, an online gamer, enjoyed oh, yeah. that part, right? And, uh, I, you know, find myself staying up super late. This was years ago. And, and sometimes yeah. I'm a bit of a night owl still, and I'm trying to work out of it. But, like, um, you know, I, that was time... I mean, yeah, it was for me, and, and I was, you know, spending that time. But now, uh, I don't really get that anymore, and I have to find no. other things that's that's more constructive when I have time for yeah. just myself. That's improving myself yeah. instead of just. Yeah. And, and Timothy Wood, that is, that I was the difference. Oh, yeah, go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, I so said that is the difference. Like I used, we used to both do that, and like you're burning the midnight oil. What's the, what's that phrase? The midnight oil. Yeah. Whatever. To to do something, it is for you, but it's unproductive to your life, and. I think that's what fulfills me in that morning slot is that whatever I'm doing is productive to my life. It doesn't even have to be, it's either exercise uh, or reading or just even sometimes just sitting and relaxing, but it is always, it is always something that improves is an improvement to me. Like if I don't do something constructive for myself, I feel like I let myself down. That's kind of how, where I am at my point in life. Uh, t- Timothy Wood, I, there's times where I hide in my basement too, right? And, and I'm with you. Like it, it happens, and I'm sure Nick would echo the same thing. Sometimes you just need to sit and relax, and unplug, oh, yeah. and that's okay. Uh, and also, your second question: How long do I work out? For me, if it's cardio, I right now I'm trying to build up my my in, my long long distance running, and so um, right now my my goal if I go do cardio is I run a mile and a half. And I know it doesn't sound like much, but for a guy like me. Uh, you know, I've started basically running like a 13 minute mile and now I'm down to nine minutes. So it's, it's a you know, progressive thing, right? Trying to get yeah. to a better spot. If I'm, I still do some traditional weightlifting, although I don't do the eight 
the the three and eight anymore. I I do a four and ten or twelve, and um, that's usually about an hour. So we're talking, you know, an hour, maybe a half hour. If we've got a busy day, what I've been doing is I'll just go run. I have a mile and a half course in my neighborhood, and I'll tell my wife, "Hey Emily, I'm gonna go run," and uh, I'll just go run. It'll take me like twenty minutes. I'm back home, shower, done, and it doesn't affect the day at all. And it doesn't That's affect very her. Similar. She can hang very out with two kids for fifteen minutes. You know what I mean? So yep. uh, it's very similar to me. Very similar. Yeah. It's about two miles, two miles at a three and a half mile pace on uh, you know a twelve incline on the treadmill. It doesn't take a lot of time. Get it out of the way, and then I just do a body weight circuit. Yeah. So that could be range anywhere from you know eight to twenty five minutes, depending what workouts I throw in there. But I like it. I personally like stuff to you know, heart rate up, work really hard for as long as you can, you know, it's kind of similar to our job, you know, uh, our, you know, we get, we get jacked up really quick. We do a lot of work and then we're, you know, you're pretty well done. So I, you know, I stick to workouts that do stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, have you ever, have you ever looked into smoke divers, like actual smoke divers, not IFSI smoke divers? I, I did after you, after you showed to me, yeah. or you talked to me about it. Um, yeah. Cause the, the whole IFSI one, that's, that's not happening. But not that I it's not difficult, a little bit, but it's not the you know, same. Yeah, it's no, no. It's definitely not that it's not difficult. Again, there's. I don't want to dive into smoke divers, things that have happened there, but um, oh, and yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, that was my start of trying to run. Is I don't know if I'll get to that point, and I probably should be more positive and have better self talk with it. Uh, but Indiana smoke divers just keeps calling my name, and uh, <laughs> but but unlike you, I was not a. A, a sports athlete in school. I sure. never learned how to uh, better myself athletically. I was in the free yeah. and marching band. Like nobody teaches you anything <laughs> in that, right? Uh, in terms of like physical, right? Um, sure. I, I the last team sport I played was well. I mean, I played hockey as an adult here, but before that was I was thirteen, probably playing house league baseball. That was it. Like, and they don't teach you anything about physicality at that. I mean, you were at least in no. high school football. Yeah. But, but again, that was that was all different. Like I said, I, if I would have changed my, you know, we it's how how it was how we lifted. It was the same as football lifting. Is like it's heavy weights and half the half the shit is like for what for what reason? What do I need to what do I need a heavy squat for? What do I need? Yeah, exactly. That's all it is. It's all bullshit. It's all bullshit. I, I, I want my joints to work. I want to be able to pull ceiling for 20 minutes if I have to. I want to be able, like I want to be able to physically accomplish my jobs. Like, those things are far more important to me now. So like again, if it's hitting a sledgehammer on a tire or uh, you know anything that's going to be exercising like you know your shoulder muscles, your neck muscles, stuff that's going to involve your career in what you know the job you do. That's the kind of shit that I like doing now. And I wish I would have transitioned to that years prior. Yeah, way way sooner. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Um, how about mental health? Uh, are there things that you do in common practice in your life now that you didn't do when you were younger in terms of uh, protecting your mental health? I guess. Sure, sure, sure. I, I've I've become. Uh, I'm a very. I have to be. I have to be on a routine. I I know I mentally, physically, I operate better when I have. A routine and you know you can plug and play certain things within the routine but i like i i'm a structure person and that helps that helps me stay clear if i don't have a structure going on i know 
I get a little, I get a little crazy. Like uh, I feel like I'm missing stuff. I feel like I'm not accomplishing things. And then you get in your own head. Um, I, I have also, for me is I've changed my focus a lot to my family, like family has over the past couple of years. Like that is a number one. And by making that my number one focus has definitely improved my mental health. It's improved my life. Um, and yeah, there's one that nobody ever talks about. And we've actually been talking about it at work a lot lately. Um, going to therapy, like just people like there's people act like there's some stigma about it, which I find funny. Um, but everyone that ends up going is like, Hey man, I wish I did that earlier. Even if it's just, just for just to, just to talk about bullshit. It, it is that's been a, like life changing for my for my relationship, for my work life, uh, learning how to deal with, you know, I used to get angry about stupid shit. Um, so doing, you know, once a month, if I have to just go to like, the other day, you know, me and my wife were having random arguments that we normally wouldn't have. And I was like, you know what? I'm gonna make that phone call. I did. Had now, and we did. What's funny is the whole conversation. We didn't talk about anything to do with me and my wife. We didn't talk. We just talked, and I was like, "Huh, oh, that was nice. I feel better for no reason." You know what I mean? And there was nothing outside of. Uh, so I, I definitely find I've I've become way better at recognizing when I'm in a, a mental slump. If I'm overly agitated, if I'm if I'm, you know, I don't want to say depressed, but if I'm not in the happy mood that I'm normally in, what's changed? Am I not exercising like I was? Am I not eating properly? Am I missing something in my routine? Am I am I focusing on my family? Like I've gotten way better at recognizing which things are out of balance and trying to focus on them. And that education came from experience of of, of either messing it up or was that making mistakes? Therapy? Making mistakes and therapy. therapy. I mean, therapy taught you a lot, but like, yeah, you definitely learn the mistakes along the way to get there. Um, and, you know, I'm not going to dive too much into the relationship, but me and my wife had had a tumultuous relationship at one point, and we we were terrible communicators. We were terrible, terrible communicators. Therapy definitely helped us a lot with learning how to do that. And now we're both way better at recognizing if we start getting into a pattern of poor communication, we're like, hey, this looks like something we need to pay attention to. And we've gotten to a point where now it's not even an argument. You know what I mean? Like we figure we can, we can, we know how to discuss that because we've made those mistakes. We've made so many of them along the way, I've made the mistakes in the firehouse. I've made the mistakes, you know, in just life in general. So taking care of your mental health, no matter what it looks like to somebody else, it doesn't, you don't ever think about that. Like, I don't care if anyone has anything to say about you know, going to therapy or doing stuff to take care of yourself, because if you're not taking care of yourself, you can't take care of anybody else. If I can't take care of me, I can't take care of my family. If I can't take care of me, I can't do my job properly. So yeah. I think it's very important and it's not talked about enough. It is not talked about enough. No, I, I really think it's, it's, it's really growing and, and conversations like what we just had, that's very candid, right? Those conversations used to never happen where people never. share a vulnerability and, and, yep. And yes, we're all supposed to be these tough macho firefighters and we're supposed to have, you know, all the machismo in the world. But at the end of the day, yeah. like Everyone's people too, right? We get beat yeah. up. We make mistakes and yeah. uh, we don't always communicate things the best. I struggled with that too and I'm still learning. I mean, I, I can show you a stack of books that I've read to learn not only about who I am and how I communicate, but how I can communicate to others. And For sure. Uh, it, we're all trying to figure that out one yeah. way or another. So. Um, you had mentioned your, your structure, you're a structure guy, right? What's your shift structure like? What do you do for your shift days and, and, and to keep in that structure? 
So similar to you, I like to get to work early. Um, I We start shift at 8. I'm usually there about 7 o'clock. Um, what's nice about where we're at is we don't, you know, some I don't know if it's how it is by you, but we don't have some crazy rule where the guy's stuck there till 8 o'clock if I'm there. Like if I'm there, the other guy can go home and I start. So I'm usually in by 7. I'm usually walking the door ready to go. Um, and we still have... Again, we're seniority based. It doesn't matter if I'm the five year guy and I'm the junior guy. There's there's stuff that you got to do as the junior guy. It doesn't matter whether you know same guy stuff probationary people would do. So we have uh, you're doing you're taking care of your rig checks. Obviously, you take care of the you make sure the battalion's car is ready. Um, you're, you know your you're typical your typical yeah. morning stuff, right? Um, once your typical normal your 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 rig checks are done, your air packs are checked, the, the battalion car is taken care of, uh, the reserve ambulance. My my ambulance is a jump to the truck. It's our only jump company. Um, you check out check out the truck. Once all that stuff's done, then we have our our morning meeting, if you will, which is our you know coffee time. <clears throat> have a you know we, we run down of the day. It's a rundown of the shift. Uh, What's, what's, what's on the agenda? What's for training? What's you know, obviously the important one? What do we make it for lunch and dinner? Uh, who's, who's going shopping? Uh, who's, you know, assignments on who's doing what for chores for the day? Um, you know, so our, that's kind of how our structure plays out. Once we break from the coffee table, it's it's chores. Chores get done. House gets taken care of. Then we go to drill. Drill so, gets taken care of. Uh, how much of that structure then is, is formalized from your supervisors and how much of that structure. So I'm more asking your personal structure for the day. Cause I think, like you said, once it breaks, you're kind of off and you could do whatever it almost oh. sounds like, right. You're not really. Yeah. 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 No, no, yeah. No, no, we, no, no, no. Oh yeah. No. So like, I don't even see if, if I get in at seven, I don't see a boss or an officer until eight thirty usually. So about an hour and a half into the day. Um, and there's certain checklists that I personally like to get done. Like, yeah, they're all things that are supposed to get done in the morning. I have my own way of doing them. I have my own routine of doing them. Um, it may not be the same as that. So, but like, as far as structure of the day, it, there's, it's generally laid out. Just depends as to when you choose to do it or get it done. I prefer getting most of it done immediately. Again, I like my quiet time in the morning. So most of the time, nobody's down there because they're at the coffee table. So I take care of all my shit then and there um as far as after that goes once we have lunchtime again our place is pretty lax in the sense of we're very busy and they understand that and they kind of let us be as far as um there's no walking around with a towel in your hand so after lunchtime after lunchtime take care of what needs to get taken care of so like I'll go do, I'll, I got to get my vector stuff done, um, but nobody's there holding your hand. It's like when the quarter comes up, if you don't have it done, you're, you're going to get a, you're going to get a slap. So you have to kind of plan accordingly for the things that you need to get done. Um, as, but again, as far as the shift, I don't know how individual it is because there is just stuff that has to get done no matter what. And there's not much wiggle room as far as when you can do it i mean i make sure i get a workout and i make sure the extra shit for the day is done make sure all the, i don't know it's daily work shit i don't know yeah no and the reason i ask is is i'm the i don't need structure necessarily it's funny yeah. as it sounds i'm a contrast to that i i actually thrive more in the all right we need to do this now 
and like yeah. I can pick up the pieces and take care of things. Or like when you know my my company officer says, "Hey, we've got this, this, and this at these times, and that's all I need, and I'll, I'll figure sure. the rest out." Right. Um, so like I don't work out at the same time every day. I don't uh, work on my extra projects at the same time every day. Like I'm very fluid and loose depending on. Yeah, I guess I should clarify then, because because as far as my off days are my really structured days. Okay. Okay. Um, my my work days they are as well. Um, as far as getting up at the same time, getting out the door at the same time, getting to work early, all those things, and I still want as as far as when I say my structure, I said I can move stuff around as long as it fits in there. So I got to get my exercise in. If I'm going to be able to get that in after lunch, cool. If I got to get that in at nine o'clock at night, cool. As long as I get it in, that that's my what I'm saying. My structure, as long as all the things are met within the day, it doesn't matter where they plug in. As long as they're met throughout the day. Now my off days, yeah, it's it's way more rigid because I only have this finite amount of time where I can get certain things done for myself. Um, so that sticks to a more regimented thing. But as far as work goes, as long as I get things done within the day, I'm good. All right. Yeah. That's, I mean, it sounds like it's more of a discipline thing, right? Like you're yeah, disciplined yeah. doing the same thing. 100%. But at home, yes. yeah, you yes. have a routine. I get what you're saying. Sure. So uh, segueing into what I love talking about so selfishly, I, we could talk training hopefully forever. Yeah, yeah send it. And uh, uh, we were kind of talking a little bit in the green room before about training schedules and those kinds of things. But I wanted you to kind of share your insight on uh, training you know, with a practical approach, right? Yeah. 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 So, and again, we came from, we talked about at the beginning of this, about the culture we came from and how it was like the coolest time of the fire service. The, we did some over the top drills we did, but like there was, we also focused a lot on, on the tangible basic stuff. And like, as cool as some of those over the top drills are, and they are fun to do, they're fun to do as like, I also, I think we sometimes lose sight of, practicality and like real world uh, uh, drills. And what I appreciate about our training schedule is that when we get together for a drill, they don't deprive you. If you have a tool on you, if you carry it on you, you can use it. If you're in a, if you get, if you do a wire maze and you actually carry cutters, you can cut the wires. Like that's, it's nonsense to say, well, well, you're now stuck and you can't move at all. I'm like, but I can, I can grab, I can grab my cutters. So I'm going to use the tools available to me. So like, we don't we don't restrict guys into positions that make it unfeasible for you. Like, could you get in that situation? Sure, but if the drill puts me in that situation, then I then you know then I will adapt to that within the drill. But if I am able to reach my tool, if I'm able to use it, we're able to use it. Um, I like how you know we run a three day schedule. Um, so Wednesday, Thursday, Friday are our drill days. Every shift gets hit. If you miss it, you miss it. If you don't, you don't. Um, but everything we do is practical, practical based. We run everything like we run on. A, if we run a, if we're doing a fire based training, we run it as if we're running a fire. We we do it off of our SOPs, our SOGs. There's no, um, there's no. Ah, we'll just do it this way today, just because you know we'll get it over with quick. No, no, we run it like. Like a practical, like a practical call, um, and I appreciate that. I, I, I think sometimes we get so caught up in the idea of it has to be an elaborate drill for you to gain knowledge that we lose sight of basic firefighting skills, basic tasks, 
like you said, I think you were talking to your other guy, like throwing a ladder, climbing a ladder with climbing a ladder with tools. You know, how do you, how do you, how do you, how do you go to the roof with do you, do you go to roof with a hand tool and a saw? How do you do that? So basic tangible operations. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we, like I said, we, I think I was telling you in the green room, we did a division drill the other day that I thought was one of the best drills I've ever been to. It was simple. It was practical. It was it was moved through in a way that I was like, that was by far the best because everything about it was tangible. There was there was no, oh, yeah, you cut a hole in the roof, but uh, now the whole thing collapsed. Like, no, we cut the hole. We got off the roof. Like, let's let's run the drill like we would do it. If something happens and you want to run a mayday off of that, sure, do that. But let's not let's not get into let's not make it crazy just for the sake of saying it's crazy let's do the job the way we're supposed to and let's learn it the way we're supposed to and teach it in a way that hey i'm gonna get up on that roof i'm gonna cut my hole and i'm gonna get off right it, we get we get way too in the weeds sometimes with drills and it, and it pushes people away that's where you start losing people in training yeah dude uh not every drill needs to be a bus full of pregnant nuns driving through a nitroglycerin plant while a blimp hundred percent into it like hundred percent i i and i I, I, I think i said it in my last episode and i will say this forever uh, if you write lessons, if you write drills, company drills, or even just shift drills, right? Uh, you're not writing for FDIC. You're not writing for these big, you know. And and those are great, dude. Don't get me wrong. Sure, sure, sure. If you're writing There's an hour drill, but... if you're writing your daytime drill, write it so it can be a half hour, but make it so it's so good that it becomes an hour. And guys buy into that so much more than your crazy elaborate. Well, I'm going to put sure. stress. I'm going to make these guys think. Yeah. Dude, they're already thinking. They're already 100%. thinking. Like, you don't yeah. have to add extra shit. Like you were saying nope. with tools, like, uh, I, I, people are crippled with the use of a tick, right? How yeah, many I times agree. people are like, oh, a tick's cheating? If it was your kids in there, you'd want to cheat, wouldn't sure. you? Right? And so we sure. introduced our backstep has a tick. And I would say um, we probably have like 10% compliance of guys carrying it. And I always ask them because it was my endeavor. Uh, to try to to get us that way, I was like, "Why don't you carry it?" Well, I, I mean, why do I need a tick? I was like, "Dude, you can literally scan a room and then go in and search it, and already know the layout, and you can search it that much quicker. Like, you can do a lot of things with it." And well, I I don't know. I mean, I just the officer carries the tick. I'm like, "Well, yeah, but but, but you could too, right?" Again, like sure. they almost feel like they're doing something wrong, and that's sure. just one example, but. Um, yeah, training scars. We create so many training scars when we limit sure. people, and it, it drives me bonkers. You're putting a quarter. You you that. limit people, and then you also put this like when you do these over the top ones. You you especially with younger people, especially with newer people, you literally put them off from doing the drill. You put them in a position where they don't want to drill. And I think we I you know one of my lieutenants who's now a battalion. I loved. He was one of my favorite lieutenants to work with because he would take he would take us as a company and we would just do a company drill with just us as you know because you in every department has it where the shift gets together you do a drill and it's you know you know one or two new guys get in and get their hands on it everyone else is exactly you're just you're just jibber jabbering no one's actually getting much out of the drill i love the fact that you know he was our truck lieutenant and if we wanted to go do an extrication drill the truck went. The truck went and did the work together. We did it as a company. We went to uh, a house, or a, it was a strip mall that was getting knocked down, and we got to do training. But we went there on our own. We went there on our own just to do 
forcible entry and going through panic bars and going through barred windows. Um, but because it's like we're the truck company, this is what we're going to be doing. So let's go do it together. So we're not here with 20 people and not getting the actual work in. So and you, you made a good training environment, right? Like there was nobody there with an ego to say, you don't you don't know how to open that. You don't know how to take that window out. No, no. It was like, hey, this is our company. We're the ones that are going to be here together. Let's figure it out together. You don't know something. We're going to teach you. It was, it was and I love that. I love that approach to drill. I hate getting everybody. I like the idea of getting everyone together, but most of the time, most of the time, it just becomes wasted air. It's mm-hmm. wasted air and wasted time because nobody's getting out of it what is needed to get out of it. Yeah, you got to make it almost when you do large multi companies. It's got to be, hey guys, you're going to show up at the training site at this time, and when you show yep. up, you work, right? Yep. And, and almost in that way, you trick them into not doing the yep. peanut gallery shit and. It's, and it's hard. It's hard to do. It's mm-hmm. so hard to do. And and don't get me wrong. There's a time to break bread with the other stations and, and people that you don't see all the time, 100%. right? There's a time to do that and develop those relationships. But sometimes the training ground is not the place to do that. No. No. Um, so that's how I prefer it. I, I like that we do practical drills, but I also really like when you get together as just a company. Like not even your whole house. It doesn't even have to be your whole house. Like like my house that I'm in has three companies in it. So I, I loved just having – our company go do trainings that were specific to our company it was great it honestly was great and and i should also say like there is also a time to go get your ass whooped it's not on shift right like like i'm going to rid under fire at the end of the year like yeah there's a time and a place for that that is structured you know what you signed up for you know you don't have to do anything else that's your focus that's where you yep. do kind of that kind of shit. And I think yep. a lot of people will take those classes, the smoke divers, the rid under fire, these big elaborate things, which are great, and even engine ops classes, and then they'll bring them back to their departments and try to, to take that eight-hour <laughs> class and put it into a one-hour drill, and it just doesn't well, work. Yeah, and you beat, the, you beat the crap out of guys that then have to go back and work the rest of the shift, and it's not – you can't do that. And they get do. nothing out of it, absolutely nothing, nothing out of it. Um, do you guys um, – have a training committee do who who comes up with your drills? no we have we have uh we have a set training officer so um it's a promoted position um it's a captain spot so he is monday through friday uh gets take home car so all he does is take care of training so he sets up all of our drills every week we come in it's all set for us he's the one who runs the show at all the drills he's involved in all the division drills he makes sure that all of our um our certs are up for compliance. Our CE gets taken care of. So everything is built in a way that all of our CE gets taken. So it's, it is really nice to have a position like that because it takes a lot off. I mean, it, I, it almost feels like every department should have a dedicated training officer because it is an obscene amount of work. It is an obscene amount of work, especially with all the requirements that they've, they've put on people now. Oh, yeah, the new OSFM stuff is nuts. So I we have a training committee, and I, I'm um, involved heavily in that. And um, the new state stuff, man, it's hard. If you don't know what you're – like, we're, we have a rhythm now, and I think for the most part understand it. But, um, it, yeah. It, Vector helps Vector helps a lot Vector with it, too, because, help, yeah. because you can kind of build it out where certain things fall. You know, the buckets get filled in all different ways and all that stuff. But – but it is so. But it's but it's still it is a lot. It's a lot of shit. But yeah, you need a dedicated person for sure. You do. Like I, I try to do stuff on shift, and we're whatever budgetary. It's hard for guys to come in off duty. But I keep telling them, like, dude, I can't do this stuff on shift. Like I, you maybe no. get an hour, 
maybe two hours out of me on a shift to to really sit down and work on stuff and uh for it is a full-time job officer, in itself. But, you know he's he's working on what he can but he's probably also a shift guy no he's not oh he's not he's able to take overtime in the so captain for us is battalion chief and he's a captain right okay um but i don't it's yeah it's a challenge uh, Trevor says uh, more chatting than training when there's too many people, and he's totally right. Like we were saying before, sure. uh, yep. and, and again, it's it's hard because we all want to shoot the shit with each other, but for sure, especially when you don't see him that often, it's 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 hard. But at least for you guys, you have outside you know stuff you can hang out with and uh, yeah. each other. Yeah. So maybe that's your time. Um, so the 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 guys, the, the firefighters, you guys don't really have any. Do you have any influence on what you can train on, or is it's all? Pretty much just what I mean, structuring. And I don't mean yeah, that it's yeah. a bad thing. No, 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 no. So we, we have our, our, our actual structure because everything's scheduled out all. It's like I can look at the calendar for the next month and all of our trainings, our drills are set up. Um, but that doesn't, I mean, that doesn't mean that we can't take it upon ourselves to run our own drill or have our own drill. Um, you know, we just had, uh, I, I will say our, I'm very lucky where I'm at because most guys are, most of the guys we have there are very good. Um, so I don't want to say the compl- say complacency is and you don't need to do certain things, but when we we address things that are necessary, like if 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 say I were to screw something up on any any sort of call, whatever, or even in a drill, then we then make it a point to say, hey, obviously we had a we have a deficiency here. They don't ever single out one guy. They wouldn't say like, hey, you didn't know how to use this tool or didn't know how to operate this thing. But they will bring everyone together and say, hey, we're all going to go over this as a shift and we're going to become more compliant. And that'll be outside of our regular training. But our guys are pretty good at even like even senior guys are pretty good of like, hey, someone's deficient in something. We're going to run our own drill. Somebody needs work on something. We're going to run our own drill. Um, so, So we're really good about doing those things when they're necessary. If guys want to run an extra drill, we do the extra drill. Um, but we are also, we're also not the guys that are going to go, Hey, let's just do a night training just to do a night training. We don't, we're not going to do that. That's yeah. that stuff doesn't happen. But, but if there's deficiencies, we take care of them. It's never ignored. It's taken care of. So, so, so your structured training, what, uh, in terms of hours, how, how many hours a day in terms of what the training officer puts out, are you training? It just depends on what what the actual drill is for the day, and it also depends because sometimes you'll have it's it's different. Sometimes you'll have you know vec- some sort of vector thing you need to do on top of a, a hands on drill. So it could be a two hour two hour for the day. It could be a one hour for the day. Um, if you got to get drive time in because we have X amount of drive hours we need to get per quarter, it could be a three hour day depending on just depending on how it falls for the day. But yeah. I'd say anywhere from one to three hours. Okay. What what's the vector stuff that you do on the computer? It's awful. I mean, you know that. Well, um, and most of, so most of our vector stuff, most of our vector stuff is the compliance stuff. Most of our vector okay. stuff is state regulation compliance stuff. Um, outside of that, we try to get a majority of our drill stuff as hands on hands on practical training. Like, you know, our, our last drill was. Um, uh, you know, stretching hand lines and relay pumping and flowing from the tower. Um, so that's the kind of stuff we try to do with most of our drills. The, the vectors, we tr- they're really good about not making us sit on a computer just to sit on a computer. So honestly, man, uh, I'm 
fortunate enough where I had some influence early when we switched over to, to Vector. And one of the things that I've really pushed and tried, and I think we've come to a consensus on in terms of that committee, is like we're building the content. So even if it's lockout, tagout, and Vector has something, we're going to build it so it's ours. And it's a little bit more work, uh, but we're the ones that are putting the content out. That way, you know, it's from, from home. And sure, sure. We were doing a pretty good job with that, and I think for the most part we're still there. Um, We'll see uh, when we get into our compliance training, because like I was telling you before, uh, we do ours when it's cold and shitty out, so we don't do it like yeah. over the course of the year. But um, it's right. I've been on both ends of the spectrum. It's it's tough in terms of the vector compliance training, but then you know you got to keep guys engaged. But then there are some things that are better presented in a video or a PowerPoint type thing. Sure, so, sure, sure. sure. It's balance, but it is. You do got to balance it out. Like it's never going to be perfect. No one's ever going to be. No one's ever going to sit down and say this is the perfect training program. Nothing else is. But like, it's you're always going to have people that like one part of it or another part of it or whatever. Like, you just got to find out what works for you, you and your organization, really. Yeah. Well, uh, Bobby Halton said it best. He goes, "The guys bitch when there's too much training. The guys bitch when there's not enough training. The guys bitch when it's too hard. Guys bitch when it's too easy. The guys bitch when it's too cold out. The guys bitch when it's too warm out." Like. Yeah. So, so what's the comment? Yeah, they're gonna bitch no matter what. So, really, it doesn't fucking matter. Yeah. You got to stick to your guns if you're if you're able to make, you know, influence or, or decisions sure. in training. You got to stick to your guns. Uh, quick pause. I just want to throw it out because I see you guys are saying the chat room's quiet tonight, and I, I don't know if that's good or bad. I, maybe it's good because you're all listening. But again, if you got questions, throw them our way uh, because I, I love peeling off on tangents and hearing what you guys have to say so please uh, start thinking of some stuff i know you guys are creative so you know i'm sure you can challenge us with something um so i did i did have one other thing that i was going to bring up earlier when you talked about mental health and i yeah. forgot to mention it uh, and i don't know how it is at at your place but um i'll tell you the biggest change for me and it was funny listening to corley too talking about how families first there's no work-life balance what 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 saved my my career, I think, from burnout and dislike was when I left where I was, the separation that I got as far as when I'm at work now, I'm at work. When I'm at home, I'm at home. Like, I don't get emails. I don't get text messages. The only time my phone rings from my fire department is for an overtime phone call. And that is it. I don't, there's, there is no email. There's now we have requirements. Like I have to check my email twice a day when I'm at the firehouse. Um, but I am so detached when I'm away and it's been the, for my family's sake, for my sake of like being able to, like, I, I can choose to think about it. I can choose to, to, to dive into it. I'm not forced to be plugged into work all the time. And it's been like, I don't, like I said, I, you, when we worked at Antioch, you, you remember, no, it's not a, it's not a fault. It's the way the organization is, but it was constant emails, constant phone calls, constant texts. Like you never left. You never left. Even when you were home, I was never present at home. Like the amount of times that my wife would yell at me because I was constantly on a phone call or constantly. And it's like, you're never home as it is. And that's where your focus still is. Being able to separate has been the biggest plus to my personal life and my work life ever. Here, here, I'm with you. And and it could be a challenge. I, I, and I empathize because I'm I'm in that boat with many times. 
and I'm learning how to do a better job of shutting it down when I come home. And, and yeah, obviously I do this, which is still fire service related, but it's not. Sure, but this it's not work related. This isn't work. No, it's not. Right? Um, but it, like I said, we were launching new training program, all those other things, and I was, I put myself out there and I said, hey, if you need help, call me, you know, sure. whatever. And and uh, try doing a lot of work at home, and now I'm not right. I'm not anymore. Like I've I'm starting to draw a line in the sand with those things because it's good. Lines, it's right? it, it, it is so helpful. It is so helpful to have that delineation between your home life and your and your work life. It really is. And and it's and again, it's a struggle if you're if you're it's hard. Doing, no, it's right? hard. If you're passionate, right? And and most people listening are. I would imagine everyone listening to this is. Uh, it's really hard to unplug because you want. It was a to weird and uncomfortable change. Mm-hmm. It's a weird and uncomfortable change. It yep. really is. But then once I started to realize, like, hey man, I don't need to think about my job 24 seven, I can actually take the time and focus. Like I started realizing things that I was not paying attention to, you know, like that's, that's what I, that was something that really clicked to me. It was like, man, I didn't realize all this stuff was going on because I was so focused over here, even when I wasn't there. So it was, like I said, it was a life changing thing for me realizing like, had when I go back, it's still there. It's still there. And I can still work on the same projects I'm working on. I I can still do them. I can't remember. I think it was TJ Ruth actually. It said, "Hey, there's always next shift." Yep. Right. And still, again, there's times where I'm great, and there's times where I'm not. But I try yep. to live by that. And uh, it, but like everything, it's it's a constant, you know, adjustment to what's going on. You're always going to have up and down with everything in your life. So, um, so. Have you ever lost your your connection, your your passion for the fire service? Have you ever become unplugged from it? Yeah, hundred percent. Where what what were the circumstances surrounding that? What you know, and however much you want to say, but I never, I never fully unplugged from it. But I definitely, I definitely got to a point where I was fed up with it. If that makes sense. Um, and it was about the time before we we both broke off and, and left. And it was it was a there was a point in my career there where I felt like I was doing so much for other people and I was not doing anything for my own career. And and granted, like we were both involved in training, we were both involved in 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 rig stuff like everything we were involved in everything at our old job and i loved that part of it i love that we got that responsibility i love that we had those opportunities but then that revolving door of constantly going over you know a new person after a new person after a new person after a new person and i was like there's got to be a point when i take another step in my career what when when can me and my company get better when can me and when can my house get better like I, re- I remember it distinctly and I don't remember the exact moment, um, like how, what time and in, in, in it was, but it was, a, it was a late night and we had been, we had been training with Academy people from morning till, till literally it was dark out. It was dark out. And I, and I had a, a superior ask me if I was going to take care of one other, another kid. And I, I about lost it. I lost it. I was like, I've been at this for 16 hours today on top of running calls. I said, it's every day it's in and out. And I was like, I was done. I was done. I wanted nothing to do. I just, at that point I was like, I just want to show up here, do my job and go home because I can't take it anymore. 
and I did. I, I literally had a, a probably a good month or two where I was like, I am, I am finished. I can't because I'm not bettering myself. And all I'm actually doing is becoming, I'm becoming toxic now. Like I'm becoming the toxic person because I'm not improving. And it was, yeah. So it took me a while to circle back around and, and reignite it and realize like it was that way because there was nobody else. Like we were the people like, and because we were the passionate ones, we were the ones who took on the extra responsibility. We took on the extra time. But you know, when you when you do so much and you feel like it wasn't, you just keep getting asked for more and there's never a, hey, thanks guys. Thanks for doing all the shit you guys do. Thanks for taking on all the extra tasks. Thanks, thanks for, for putting in all the extra work. Like acknowledgement of, of the, the effort and the extra work. Like not having any of that was the thing that pushed me over the edge to to want to, cool, I'm going to stay at arm's length for a while. Like I can't. You know, and then it comes back full circle and then you do get that, hey, we do recognize that there was that was happening, but and you, you kind of start coming back to it. But yeah, that I hit a breaking point at one point. I, I yeah, it's and and I I think it's a challenge when you especially young as a leader, right? When you're when you're given opportunities for leadership young, it's 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 both great because you get to learn from a lot of mistakes. But at the same time, you don't get time to focus on yourself because you're constantly developing other people. And, yeah. and organizations have gone through cycles like this everywhere, right? I mean, my, my department went full-time in the late 80s, and all of them basically got put in their positions, right? I mean, we had cap, guys who were captains for 20-something years who were, were you know phenomenal guys, but uh, – and. and I guess it's a poor example because he was actually awesome. But like, um, <laughs> but there's people that get in positions early, and in any organization, whether it's you know full time or part time or volunteer, and when you're when you're intelligent and they trust you, they give you the ball constantly, but you're constantly developing others. And I take a lot of pride in developing others, and I know you do as well. But for sure, but like I took nozzle forward as a. 10-year fireman like i should have taken that as a two-year fireman but yeah. you don't you know yeah. you're not always i mean as a two-year fireman i was running an explorer program yep like and i don't regret you do. any of like, that but no exactly because you you appreciate the, like first of all the, it, it, it's an honor and it's really is a privilege to be able to be given those responsibilities as a younger and newer person because it, it it forces you to develop quicker yourself. It forces you to um, look at things from a different perspective and learn. But you get to a point where you know that you're de- because you're young. You know you still have so much to develop too. And yes, it doesn't help you. It help. It does help you develop when you're developing other people, but only to a point. Because I can only help you as far as I've gotten. Right? Like I can't help you past me if I don't know what's past there. Like if I'm not able to to advance. And granted, I'm not saying I would ever wanted anyone else in that position because I I wanted it. I'm not saying I didn't want it because I did. I, oh yeah. I relished it. I wanted to be there, but I also wanted to be also given the opportunity to say, Hey, we appreciate you taking care of these guys. We're going to take care of you. Like, let's get you, let's get you into the stuff you need to do. Um, and, and when you start feeling neglected on that end, it's like, I'm neglecting everything to take care of everybody else. 
I need some personal growth. I need I I need to better myself as a, a leader too. So yeah, I, I think I it's hard. It was hard. The contrast and and has how I've grown. So right now, like I'm not eligible to test. The next test I will be right. And you know I've I've have I have real life experience as a company officer. I mean, when I left, I was an acting shift commander, and I, I have real experience in that. Right. So. It's not that I don't need more of it. I'm definitely not saying that. But, like, we go and do drills, and we have an issue with planning for succession, right? And so now the the wave is coming the opposite way. Now we're really trying to swing the pendulum the other way and push people and push people. And we have a training house right now that we're able to do things. And, and um, you know, it's like, hey, Alex, why don't you jump up? You can be the company officer today, and uh, you're going to do this. And I'm not acting. I'm not eligible. I'm none of those things. And I and there's been times where, yeah, I'll step out in the line and I'll try different things and I'll put myself out there. But I was kind of like, all right, I'm 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 being asked to do a lot of company officer type things, a lot of leadership type things. And I'll do those things. I'm all about it. But I got to be a fireman once in a while, don't I? Like when's the last yep. time I pulled the line and pulled it over carpet and floated, yep. moved up, a, you know, two flights of stairs. It had been a while. And I, I, maturity set in and I and because of the experiences I've had where yeah I have been able to work on myself I was like eh not today I'm gonna go do fireman stuff and- so and that brings me back to the the old school fire service thing that I'm grateful for now because I I actually love it's so funny that I love being the bottom bitch I love being the fucking firefighter like I just get to be I get to be that guy that I didn't I feel like I didn't have enough time as that guy and i'm able to literally just sit back and learn i get to learn i get to learn my organization i get to learn the job the way we do it by me and i don't i don't have to work i know that i like you said i've had, we have real world experience doing that i've done i've done it and it doesn't mean i don't want to do it again but right now i'm relishing the opportunity to be a backstep to be the low guy to do the grunt work like i, I miss doing that i miss those those things that we did not uh we didn't get to sit in that very long yeah you gotta still be a badass fireman first right and i'm with you i mean i did we both did eight almost you did 10 i think in antioch before you got full time right so to hit the reset button dude it was it was revolutionary for me it was the best thing that could have happened to me to totally just hit the reset button reconnect with being a backstep fireman reconnect with all those things and i realized what i had lost i realized what i needed to gain again to be able to teach other people that i lost and oh i i couldn't speak any i was so I, at first i was nervous about going back to to that you know just being a yeah. it was the best thing that could have happened to me i feel so much more plugged into the job because of it Not let me I ask you this before. i have a question for you sure i have a question for the interviewer did did being in those leadership roles help you as a probationary person uh so or did it make it more difficult for you so i will say this i was very fortunate and my probationary period i clicked with the guys i was with it was perfect in the way that they gave me what i needed they understood what i came from but we didn't talk about it and i didn't need to talk about it uh and i was there to work and and I made that conscious effort. Both of them knew that I came from being a company officer. Both of them knew that I had some experience in that shift commander type role, which I didn't have a ton of, but you know, I still did it. And, um, 
both of them knew that that wasn't important to me anymore and that I wanted to reconnect with being a fireman. And I was, I, I couldn't have asked for a better lieutenant and, uh, and, and mentor because I was assigned. So I guess, mentor. I guess, I guess how I, how, how I mean it is if by, by knowing you, like I looked at it this way, when I went into probation, I was like, I had expectations as a leader. I had certain expectations and I, I relayed those to people. So I knew what I expected from anyone under me. So I went in, I actually went into probation thinking it was going to be the hardest thing in the world. I put like the most stringent expectations on myself. So like there was nothing that I could have walked into that would have been harder than what I thought it was going to be because like of my own personal expectations. And so to the point where like, you know, like I said, we are an old school place. Like it can get, you can get pretty, some people think are rough and to the point where I'd have guys being like, man, you're going to, you're pretty rough. And I'm like, I didn't because again, I, I had expectations of people before. So it was easy to put hard expectations on myself. Like I can, if I expected that of other people, I can easily expect it of myself. I get what you're saying. No, uh, I did yeah, the same yeah, yeah. thing. I, I, because, and it's the same thing when I was going to get hired, uh, up North, where you know, I remember you talked to me and was like, "Hey, you got to get thicker skin before you come work here." And it's the same thing. Like I was self-aware walking in that okay, I needed to be better at that. Same thing with going to Lake Zurich. I was self-aware and and I had expectations of what I wanted. Right, my company officer and my mentor, you sure. know, my my trainer to be. They met him, and I we really didn't have to have that conversation. I I couldn't have asked for a better. Uh, to the point where I had seniority and I could have picked to work at a substation instead of station one. And I chose to work at station one with my lieutenant in his last year before he retired. Like, that was important to me. Um, but now, I will say this, now, uh, yeah, it is way more difficult. Because now my standards for what a lieutenant and a captain are supposed to be are exponentially higher. And not everyone meets those. And uh, it's very challenging for me, and and sure, I sure, have sure. to put my foot in my mouth a lot of times, uh, and it's you know I'm learning to try to do that. But uh, yeah, it, it, it's a huge challenge um, when I know what is supposed to be, and then you will work for someone that's not even close to what they're supposed to be. That's very challenging. Sure. Or the feeling like I could do better, which <laughs> I, which I know sounds really horrible, but like I have done it. I. I <laughs> Some of the things that I had to do that you had to do when we were company officers there are are experiences that a lot of people never have to experience. Yeah, no, like, it was crazy. It was crazy. Um, I've been neglecting the chat here, but uh, Chief. Oh, they're Manny, actually talking now? I see that you're in here, right? Uh, you just had an they decided officer, to talk. Uh, first in on a fatal house fire. Yeah, I mean, you got to, right, if they're in the position of an actor, yeah, you got to you gotta train them. And I, I think that was in reference when I was talking about, like, my training. I wasn't going to step up and be that because I, 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 that's not a position that I'm going to operate in anytime soon. But, yeah, uh, building on that experience is huge for a young actor. Tactics, communication, no classroom crap, just real life. You're totally right. I, yeah, uh, you have to get guys in the street. You have to put them in positions to make decisions. Uh, that kind of rhymed. That was a Dr. Seuss moment, but um, so what's routine? Uh, we kind of touched on this a little bit, but what's one routine that you have now that you wish you started younger? Uh, well, there's two, and it's actually one of yours. I like one is reading, and 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 I'm actually going because of your guys' talk with Corley the other day. I'm going to start doing more with the physical paper copies um you know i got a long drive to work so i like listening to, to books on the way to and from work but i really wish i had gotten into that 
you know, I was the same as you, man. I was like, I was happy I got through school, you know, like I could have cared less about it. You know, I, I could, I like, I'm the same way, dude. I took pride that like, I don't know if I ever even did a book report. Like I fucking bullshitted all of that forever. Um, and I really wish I would have taken that stuff more seriously because I reading, there's so much good information out there. Um, make you just uh, just a better human being um so reading is one of them and also um just finding routines and sticking them like taking care of my physical and mental health um like i said my, my getting up early and and taking care of myself that that's something i wish i did earlier in reading two two things i do now that i w wish that i would have done earlier if i could tell anybody start reading anybody start reading yeah, I echo that. I'm I was an absolute moron before I started reading. So, um, yeah, all it does is make you. you it's crazy that you you don't realize how much information is at your fingertips that is out there. You don't realize it until you just you know you just pick up a book. Man, it's crazy. Mm -hmm. And I still can't read fiction very much, but I could sit and read nonfiction books, just like yeah. it's nothing now. Um. Oh, I had that question on there twice. Uh, so, oh, I didn't change this on yours. So I've restructured this question because I've never been able to get the right answer. So if you could introduce a new person or someone who's interested in the fire service, right, to one person, right, to help show them what it means, alive or dead, who would Who shows what it means to be in the fire service? American Man. firefighter. Who could tell that story? Who would you trust to tell that story? I mean, I've never met the man personally, but I guess if 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 I had a, if you asked me that question, like in a light bulb, first thing that comes to my head is probably Chief Ike. He's like, yeah, it's, that's he asked me that. That's like the first thing. I, I don't I don't know. He's the first guy that pops in my head. Like his passion, the way he talks about the job, the way he talks about his family life. Like he's he's a guy. But it's pretty simple. Ike's where it's at, man. I'm totally with yeah. you. Uh, yeah. Uh, I, this is the hardest question, and I don't have an answer for it, but I love watching everyone squirm when I ask that question. <laughs> but yeah. yeah. By the way, uh, if you are uh, interested, uh, tomorrow Coralie does have Chief Ike on for 200 episodes of The Scrap. Shameless plug for him. Uh, and Ike does like three-hour episodes with him, and they're amazing. So if you've never seen one of those and you were new to Coralie with my last episode, or if you're listening to this on Spotify, go over to his channel and and check it out because Ike is amazing. His class, People Before Water, I took it like two years ago. Amazing. Yeah, yeah, he's um, great. Death on the Nozzle, an article he wrote. Read it. Everyone should read that. Uh, he, he's amazing. I'm with you. Um. So, triage, the current state of the American Fire Service. So, black, dead, red, dying, yellow, injured, green, it's going strong. You know, I, I agree with the last few people saying red, dying. Um, but I also feel, I echo the same sentiments, that it's going to come back. It has to come back in one way or another. Um, and, you know, we're... We were our own worst enemies in a lot, in a lot of ways. Um, like, you know, talk about culture. We need to go back to treating it like, and this is the union suit. The unions need to do a better job of this. If we want to preach 
preach union brotherhood they, they need to start they need to start funding programs they need to start getting uh education out there in the schools and get people involved um it, it's a problem we used to have such that's we we've we talk about we're the only job that actively tries to take our job away by going out there doing public safety and doing um you know sprinklers and yada yada so we do that but then we also try to kill our own jobs by not going out and educating people on getting into these jobs and we were so on our high horse about like hey we have hundreds of people testing for these jobs we're going to just keep up in the standards and up in the standards and up in the standards i'm all about having standards have standards for fitness have standards for uh you know like have them do something job related to come in but do what you used to send them to paramedic school send them to fire academy do those things it's a blue collar job like we got to get off this pedestal of we're so great that we only take certain people um if they can make it they can make it if they can't they can't you move on to a new candidate but like let's get back to brass tacks here and start getting blue collar people back in the job hell yeah i'm with you all day on that have the standards for character that's for what sure. we don't compromise on, right? The conversation of lowering standards. It's not. It's lowering requirements to test, and that's okay. Yes. But you can okay. lower your, your, your true standards of yep. honor, valor. Um, I mean, name them all, and I, I just cop out my own thing. But you know yep. what I'm saying, right? So, so the guy who had no credentials whatsoever that got on the volunteer organization that you as a union department hate so much, you'll take that guy after that place pays for him to get all of his certifications, and then he's okay, but he's not okay for you to send it. Like, we need to get better about that. Mm-hmm. We do. We need put your money where your mouth is and invest, invest in the people, invest in the employees, and invest in the people you want. And actually – by doing that, you'll have far more successful people coming into your organizations because from day one, they're going through it your way. I, don't, I just think it's 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 far better system. I agree with you. I agree with you completely. Uh, uh, Chief Lighting says fire service culture has no issues. Modern fire service perspective is what's off. And and uh, Coke Fair also an amen there. Hundred percent, absolutely. Um, well, you're young in your career too. So it's kind of an ironic question because we're not at the end of the road here. But uh, what would you say is the most important element to end your career as positively as it began? To end my career as positive as Well, <sighs> I mean, hopefully I go out with the same love of it that I came into it with. And hopefully, hopefully I go out leaving. Uh, I don't know how to phrase this in a way that doesn't sound uh You, you know a lot of guys who retire and they and they, they leave and you're like glad that guy's gone yeah I don't want to be that guy I want to be the guy who left the right impression I want to be the guy who who people aren't like oh man he's coming back to retire everything that guy was an asshole I don't want to be that guy I want to be the guy that's there for the guys that's there for the like I you you know what I'm talking about I don't know how to phrase it properly but I just I don't want to be the guy who's remembered as someone who treated other guys like shit who wasn't there to help each other, anybody out who wasn't there to make the firehouse better I don't want to be that guy so I would like to keep that mentality through my whole career so what do you do to keep that <clears throat> I think you just got to remember where you came from I think that's the biggest problem is that people forget where they came from they forget being that low guy they forget being that junior guy who's taking care of everything who's cleaning everything who's doing all the work 
And as soon as we start forgetting that, that's when you get the guys who become lazy slobs. That's when you get the guys who stop investing in themselves. They stop taking care of themselves. They stop taking care of the guys around them. They become almost selfish. They're just there existing. Um, so just remember where you came from. Remember that, like, remember the Andy Plonsky who took you to the side and helped you. He didn't have to do that. That guy did not have to help me. That guy did not have to make my career better. He didn't, but he did. So I feel like I then owe that for the next guy who wants my help. I'll give it to them because somebody else gave me that opportunity. Love it. Absolutely love it. Uh, Chief Lettig says, uh, culture and history made us, but unaccepting the future is what has brought us to red in reference to the other one before. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. In, and in, yeah I mean, and, and I think those are all symptoms that create those guys that you're talking about that you're like, oh, thank sure. God he's retiring. Right? Sure. Um, yeah. I don't want to be that way. You don't want to be that way. And I think a lot of people no. don't want to be that way. So, um, no, and just don't, don't compromise who you are. Like, you, you know, you've seen it through your career and I've seen it through my career. Like as soon as a promotion comes up, all of a sudden you see guys change and they act different and like, no, 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 be who you are. I, I, I never want to compromise who I am. I looked at it this way, whether I get promoted ever in my career or not, again, I'm going to do it off of who I am. And I'm not going to change specifically for a promotion. And I can't stand the guys that do because that's not you. And we all know it's not you. You start off with no respect. No, like you think that having those bugles is going to make people respect you or give you some sort of, you're not, you don't, you don't just having a bugle doesn't give you respect. The person gains the respect. So um, we forget, we, we definitely forget that shit. I can't think of a better thing to end on that. <laughs> So, so that's it. That's going to be uh, episode 14. Nick, thanks for coming on. Yeah, man. I feel I, like we just ran through a lot, but it was fun. No, it was a lot of fun. You hang out. <laughs> we'll, we'll talk in the, the post yeah, yeah. the post shop green room sponsored by Bud. I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> thank you guys for watching. Thanks for listening. And uh, we'll, we'll catch you on the next one. Uh, I'll get my schedule updated here shortly. Uh, there's a guy in the chat who knows that he's coming up, but uh, – I won't spoil his announcement. And, uh, yeah, uh, stay smart out there. I really need a tagline to finish this. But you get the drill. <laughs> Have a nice night. Stay classy, San Diego. <laughs> Thank you for listening. Check us out on OutlierFirefighters.com, Facebook, Instagram, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. Remember, excellence may be a rarity, but you are not alone. 